You're listening to the Senior Care Pharmacist Podcast, ASCP's journal come to life. Visit ASCP.com slash journal to read the articles and ASCP.com slash podcasts to listen to more author interviews. Welcome to the Senior Care Pharmacist Radio Podcast. This is Donna Bartlett, your host, and today we have with us Dr. Brittany Vickery. Dr. Vickery is Associate Professor of Pharmacy at Wingate University School of Pharmacy. She's also a board-certified pharmacotherapy specialist and board-certified psychiatric pharmacist. Welcome, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you. And just wanted to share that uh, Brittany, along with Greg Ginn and Dr. Stephen Vickery, have written an article for the Senior Care Pharmacist that can be found in the August 2020 edition called Incorporating Pharmacist Interns into a Study on Fall Risks. So thank you so much for being with us, Brittany. I'm so excited to talk to you about this very important subject, and I just love how you've incorporated pharmacist interns into this whole idea of a study. So thank you for that. And I just wanted to get started on, could you provide some background regarding falls and fall prevention, especially in the areas that you highlighted in regards to medical, psychiatric, and geriatric psychiatric units and the importance of focusing on these units? Absolutely. When I began working at my practice site, I was asked to be involved in their falls committee and to help evaluate falls and report any potential trends that I noticed. And with some initial investigation, I found that at the time, fall-related injuries were reported to cost on average about $14,000. And they also attributed to a longer hospital stay and increased patient morbidity and mortality. So since it was difficult for me to determine a clear trend, I thought it would be best to initiate a perspective chart review for all patients to see if there are any common denominators that could be teased out. The difficult part was that the majority of patients who were admitted to our geropsych and med-psych units were all considered to be high risk. So we wanted to see if our team could discern who was at the highest risk of falling among that population. So we worked together to develop a screening tool and some definitions to help make all the items on the screening tool really clear for the different students that would rotate in and out of the hospital so that the screening would be similar among blocks for the different students. That's great. And you did share your screening form with us. So could you just tell us how you developed that? I noticed that there was some very popular type of products that I think are tools that we all use when we're teaching on geriatrics um, with our students too, in the, when we're practicing in geriatrics. Um, so if you could just go over some of those ideas and how you came up with this actual form, I found it excellent. Yeah, so the screening form utilized for this study was developed following guidance from the American Geriatric Society Beers Criteria. And that was the 2015 version because that's what was available at the time we started the study, as well as the screening tool to alert doctors to the right treatment. It's abbreviated START, S-T-A-R-T. And the screening tool for older persons, potentially inappropriate prescriptions or STOP with two Ps, S-T-O-P-P, as well as the medication appropriateness index 
We used all these to piece together a screening tool that would correlate to a point system where patients could receive a half point up to three points per history item based on the reported severity of the item that would contribute to a fall. We also looked at some additional indicators that we thought maybe value specific to our site. And some of those things were vitamin D and then the patients that were actively being treated for UTI, not only because of the antibiotic and, and some different antibiotic classes contributing to confusion, but because of the uh, urinary tract infection itself may be causing some confusion in our older patients. Hmm. So I found that all really interesting. And you also commented on in the article too, even things such as renal and liver function, of course, and thyroid testing and vitamin D as well. Yeah. So we looked at some additional things just because, well, one, we wanted to make sure we were providing the best care possible for our patients. We've been entrusted to care for the loved ones of others. So we want to ensure that we're doing that and also preventing additional injuries. But because some of these other things, so you mentioned TSH. So we think of, you know, hyper and hypothyroidism and how those things can actually look like a psychiatric condition. So someone with hypothyroidism can kind of seem introverted, keeping to themselves, even to the point where it may look like depression where hyperthyroidism can start to look a little bit like psychosis if it goes untreated long enough. So we like to screen for other things like that to make sure we're actually treating a psychiatric condition and you know not that the patient has an underlying medical condition that needs addressed. And if we find that they do, we want to take care of that first before you know adding additional medications that they may not really need. Sure. That's great. It just, your form just seemed extensive and thought of many things. And you even, you know, were looking at blood glucose and what was their recent blood pressure readings too. I just found it very comprehensive. Yeah. And we look at those things too, um, especially considering falls because hypoglycemia could contribute to a fall. So if a patient had a low blood sugar reading, you know, it's time to go back and look at, okay, do they need all of these anti-diabetic medications, can we back off of their insulin a little bit? What do we need to do? And the same is true for blood pressure agents. We don't want our patients to be getting hypotensive or feeling dizzy or having, you know, some orthostasis. So we tried to really, you know, cover all of the basis, any little thing that we thought may contribute to falls. We wanted, we wanted to look at it in depth. Sure. And what a great learning tool for the students too and the pharmacy interns and all those that might be new or working in the healthcare field. So I think that that's all just wonderful on so many levels too. You had spoken about, you know, that patients of course did fall unfortunately and but was there some common denominator for these falls, a certain medication or class of medication for examples? Could you just share your results with us and, and what your findings were? Yeah, so one of the biggest things that I noticed that I don't think was really medication related was that all except one patient who experienced a fall had had a fall previously. So I think that's one of the most easily apparent risk factors that we need to be careful of with our older patients. And a lot of a lot of the patients in the study, the age ranged from 66 to 92, so we are mostly talking about our geriatric population. 
on average, those who fell were taking over four medications that had been associated with a risk of falling. All of the patients in our study who, you know, they were admitted to a psychiatric unit, so they were being treated for a psychiatric diagnosis. So the majority were receiving one or more psychiatric medications. And when I say psychiatric medication, I mean an antipsychotic, an anticonvulsant slash mood stabilizer, an antidepressant, or a benzodiazepine. So I would say that especially around the time of initiation of those kinds of medications or a dose escalation, patients should be monitored much more closely. Additionally, a lot of the patients in our study were taking medications for hypertension. And because we know drugs like our antipsychotics can impact blood pressure and cause dizziness, we really want to be careful when we give them that combination. So just a little extra monitoring in those circumstances to ensure the best safety outcomes for our patients. Yeah, that's all excellent points for sure. And it, it is true and things that we should be thinking about. Even I know we're talking about inpatient in, in your practice area, but these are all so important in our outpatients population as well, because as we know, people are have increased doses, right? They go to the doctors and they might have their in, their doses increased and things that we should be counseling patients on, whether they're inpatient or outpatient and potentially monitoring for. So all very good ideas and things that we can translate to other practices as well. Absolutely. So Brittany, not all the results were statistically significant, which of course can occur with studies. And I think that in itself is an excellent lesson for for everyone involved in the study. But you did make some excellent points and recommendations for future studies. So if you could just share a little bit more about those um, statistics and some of these points or recommendations for the future studies. Yeah. So I think that this coordinates between fall scores and actual falls may have been related to pharmacist interns making supervised recommendations to providers as we were doing the study that may have actually lowered the fall risk score if it had been recalculated. Unfortunately, because providers accept or decline recommendations on no specific timeline, we weren't able to recalculate those scores. But ideally, the scoring metrics should have been evaluated for accuracy of predicting falls before the team began making interventions and recommendations. But I felt the, like these logistics were a little difficult from an ethical standpoint. We were seeing things that we needed to communicate and you know, we wanted to ensure the best outcomes for our patients. I think in the future, it would be really beneficial to have a perspective and retrospective cohort. So that would be helpful in really noticing the difference and, you know, are these, are, is this form helpful? I think it's possible that with a larger study group, a formula for identifying the highest risk patients could be developed. And then a protocol could be implemented to help identify and keep those highest risk patients as safe as possible. It would also be helpful to have all disciplines on board at the beginning of the study. So that was something we kind of gained as we went on and we're talking to other disciplines and letting them know what we were doing. 
But I think laying the groundwork of this is what we're rolling out and getting everyone on board would have been really helpful to ensure that the charting was as accurate as possible so that we were calculating the most accurate scores as possible too. And I think there's always going to be things that contribute to falls, you know, census fluctuations, fluxes in personnel that could play a role that are really difficult to capture from day to day. But I think all of those things could really be beneficial in in the future if a study like this was done again. Yeah, absolutely. And I just really like how you commented too that, you know, even though things weren't well met, if you will, for your statistics and statistically significant, um, I do think that there's so many benefits from this study. And part of the reason why we wanted to highlight And you talk about the pharmacist interns, their benefits, the facility and the patients. And there's another comment too that you have in there that you just spoke on um, slightly, but I'd love to hear more about it, is where you highlighted that whole interprofessional teamwork and the importance of everyone's role in preventing falls. So if you could elaborate more on all of those benefits I would love to share that with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So this project provided an impactful activity for pharmacist interns to undertake, which was mutualistic to the students, the patients, and the facility. It provided an opportunity for pharmacist interns to gain, you know, what we call real-world practice experience in providing patient care. I think it helped to expand and enhance their knowledge base and helped them to gain confidence in making verbal recommendations to providers. Since interprofessional teamwork has become such an important part of the pharmacy curriculum, it was really wonderful to be able to expose students to this early in their practice experiences. And that's something we really strive to do at Wingate to ensure that they're practice ready upon graduation. And I really think that students appreciate the guidance on how to go about doing a prospective chart review for a patient. And this gave them a path to follow for a directed chart review, specifically looking at falls, but taking so many other things into account as well. And so a project like this allows the pharmacist intern and preceptors to evaluate and discuss patients. So it, you know, opens up a road of communication. And then it empowers the pharmacist interns to act in an autonomous way. Once their recommendations, of course, have been preceptor approved. And so this allows the pharmacist interns to be able to feel like their work is impactful and appreciated. And that's a feeling that, you know, hopefully they search for in their jobs and careers as they go on as pharmacists. And so at my practice site, we have what we call treatment team every day where social work, physical therapy, dietitian, pharmacists, doctors, nurses, Everyone who's contributing to the patient care, you know, comes together and discusses what's going on with the patient, what we're doing to provide care for them. So that was really a great way for students to, you know, start to feel confident speaking up and getting involved in those communications. Yeah. And I just, and I really liked how you were talking about, you know, even physical therapy picking up on a gait issue, which maybe would not be picked up on by others necessarily and just that importance of of seeing the whole patient. Right. Yeah, we all bring something different to the table and 
you know, a lot of us might be able to notice a gait disturbance, but really being able to quantify it and, you know, is this temporary? Is this going to last a while? Is this potentially new from a medicine? You know, did you see this when they were first here? Did this start on day number five? They can just bring so much to the table that may be overlooked otherwise. So it's really important to get the whole team involved. Well, and just like on a last note, I'm just curious I, it seems like we can all take this to our practice, but is there anything that you think to move us forward that you would say is just so important in fall prevention as to what you learned from this study? I think the most important thing is looking at what is happening at your facility or practice site or, you know, wherever you're delivering patient care and just being aware that it's going on because you know, before I was asked to be involved in the falls committee, the the most notification I would get would generally be at treatment team like, oh, you know, this patient had a fall last night. And so when I actually started compiling it and looking at how many patients were having falls, how often it felt like it was occurring, it really opened my eyes to the fact that we needed to do something differently. So whether it be fall related or any patient care issue, I think there's always, you know, an extra service opportunity to look at and get involved in. So just being really familiar with the things that are going on at your practice site and and asking questions to see what more you can do to be of service to to your patients. Great. Well, I do want to say thank you so much, Brittany, for your time today. And so I would like to give you a warm thank you um, for Dr. Brittany Vickery for being with us and speaking with us about incorporating pharmacist interns into a study on falls risk. And this article can be found in the August 2020 publication of the Senior Care Pharmacist. So thank you for being with us today, Brittany. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. And I'd also like to thank our listeners for listening in today. And we always hope that you find this information helpful for you in in your practices. And if you are teaching students to helping you in that area too, or even if you are a student yourself listening in, that you have found this information valuable to you and for your future practice. So thank you for your time listeners and thank you for caring for our seniors in pharmacy practice. And with that, this is Donna Bartlett and thank you for joining in today to the Senior Care Pharmacist Radio Podcast. You're listening to the Senior Care Pharmacist Podcast, ASCP's journal come to life. Visit ASCP.com journal to read the articles and ASCP.com podcasts to listen to more author interviews.